What's up, everybody? It's J&J with Justin and Jordan. Feels good to be back. One week away, one episode away. Felt kind of gross, but I had things to do. But what we got today, Justin? Today, we will be getting into that bag talk conversation. Oh, God. Then we will talk about a little bit of James Harden, a little bit about is offense more important or is defense more important? And we got a cool little segment for y'all at the end of this episode. Something to just laugh about, something new. But let's get into the episode. So I definitely do want to talk about how KD was talking. You know, like offense is the most important thing in the game. And it kind of brings, to my opinion, was kind of problematic in the basketball community, which is bag talk. We're going to get to that a little bit later. But for anyone who didn't see it, um, KD was responding to a tweet Talking about giving respect to Melo, whatever, in a clip, whatever, whatever, that's not a problem. But when someone kind of criticizes, saying like, oh, like, oh, whatever, this is another example of bag talk, bag talk, basketball players only care about bag talk. KD was like, what's the object of the game? You know, started replying to every single person that responded to him, kept replying, replying, replying. And, you know, borderline, the argument was offense is way more important than defense. Is that the truth, Justin, to you? Because in my opinion, I value defense more. Well, for me, I think there should always be a balance of both. But I think there should be a little bit more of an emphasis on offense. I think defense is really important because it's rare to see teams that are very good offensively and trash defensively succeed in the NBA. And vice versa. It's hard to see teams that are really good defensively and really trash offensively succeed as well. So I feel like a balance of both, but a little bit more towards offense is kind of like the way to go because we see some teams that are very good defensively and they're kind of just mediocre offensively. That kind of just stumps them. For with some teams, they'll be middle of the pack defensively and they'll have great stars that when it's a close game, fourth quarter, that could be the difference maker no matter if that other team is great defensively because that great defensive team will have lapses on offense where they can't buy a bucket for shit. They don't have stars. They don't. They can't get to the free th- to the free throw line late game. That could be the difference maker for some teams. You got a guy that on the other team, he's your star player. He could he may be two for thirteen in the game, but he may give you like six points in that fourth quarter under two minutes left. He may get to the free throw line. That's kind of just like the difference. I don't think it's like a solely offensive thing. And then it's also another thing like a lot of it's like a majority of offensive players are getting bags and shit. And I feel like other than that, I'm, it's like high-energy guys on championship teams like Bruce Brown. But that's because he was on a contender. We don't know if he would have got that bag if he was on the fucking Pistons. Unfortunately not. Yeah. So it's like a majority of the guys getting paid are guys that are primarily offensive guys. I feel like the defensive guys get their, their shine when they're on that contending team and then they go to another team because they got that bag. So I would say a balance of both, but a little bit more offense would be the way I would go. No, like I know exactly what you mean. Like, let's say PJ Tucker spent his whole career in Charlotte. Is anyone really going to talk about his defense? Unfortunately not. But Mm -hmm. LaMelo Ball, even let's say if he wasn't, you know, a ball brother and all that, he has all the flair. Everyone's going to care about him regardless of who mm-hmm. his father and his brother is, you know? Yeah. Put any type of bad guy in, in a in a bad situation, as long as they have fire offense, nobody cares. And I think what kind of like this KD discussion kind of centers around, too, 
is how his team is structured right now. You got three guys that's basically all offense. Not to disrespect like Devin Booker's defense. He is a good defender. KD, I think, is an overrated defender. Bradley Beal is more of like a negative defender. But it's obvious that the the idea in mind when constructing this team is, okay, we got three guys that can score at will any way possible. What happens when one of you guys gets shut down? We saw KD and D-Book go off at the same time and lose. Lose. and But, but Kevin Durant's going to tell us, oh, what matters is who scores more points. What matters is who gets more buckets, who hoops more in the game. That's just not true. Did we not see the Pistons in 2004 be a terrible offense and win a championship? How many times have we seen more so bad offenses but good defenses win championships in comparison to you know teams that are fully offense? Some of the best offensive teams of all time, unfortunately, did not win championships because they didn't have defense. The 2017 Cavs, seven seconds or less Suns. You know, uh, a lot of these Mavs teams before, you know, they, they finally broke through and won the championship in 2011. So many great offenses. And if the point was only about, you know, who who's going to put the ball in the basket more? Why weren't the Hawks with one of the best offensive players in the league contenders? Why not? Because Trey Young is a terrible defender. When Stephen Curry didn't have his guys with him, why was the team losing? Because there's no defense structured around him. It does not matter how good you are at offense, realistically speaking. It does not matter how good you are. Treyon could average 40 points, 10 assists, contributing 10, uh, 50 points a game, right? Through points and assists. He's still giving up 60. He's still going to be giving up 60 points. So what's the point? It's the same thing with Bradley Beal. It's the same thing with a lot of these guys. LaMelo Ball, these high-octane offense guys. We're seeing this um, criticization of, of Luka Doncic as well. Because of the office that they're running, we see this with Kyrie. Does not matter what type of bag you got, it really doesn't. Because when you don't have the defense, when you don't have the defensive pieces around you, you're not winning a championship. We've seen Kevin. This is what makes it funny. We've seen Kevin Durant get shut down. We see him get shut down by the Celtics. We see him get shut down by the Warriors in the in the conference finals. We saw him get shut down by the Grizzlies. You had Tony Allen locking up Kevin Durant. But Kevin Durant wants to say offense is what matters the most in, in basketball because of technicality that, you know what? Oh, the, the object of the game is who scores more. Sure, but the object is who's going to stop you. I got to stop you from scoring too, Kevin Durant. So when you get stopped, what do you have to offer to the team? Who are you stopping? You're not stopping. You're not stopping LeBron. You're not stopping any bigs. You're not stopping any guards. You're not stopping Steph. You're not stopping Luka. So what are you offering when you get shut down and you score 22 points a game on 35% shooting? Nothing. It's not defense. It's not rebounding. It's not playmaking. That's my problem with the whole offense versus defense debate with Kevin Durant. Nah, yeah. And you can't make no mistake with letting isolation ball be the key emphasis for some like offensive. Because like if you're just going strictly off isos and offensive like iso plays... That shit will never work in the playoffs. I'm sorry. Like, if you're just relying on that, that shit will never work. You always need a team-oriented offense. Because if if you have, just like the Warriors, that's a perfect example. That's a team-oriented offense. And that team, that's going to fucking destroy everybody like we saw in 2015 and 2016. But when you're going off of ISOs, that shit never works. That's never the answer. That was one of the reasons why the Pistons won in 04. You had Kobe trying to play a lot of hero ball in that series, and the 
the Pistons were playing like a team. You saw Chauncey Billups hitting big shots, Rip Hamilton being that mid-range guy. Nobody was really like the guy. Ben they, Wallace stopping Shaq. Let's not forget that. Ben Wallace, yeah, stopping Shaq. Yeah, it sounds Shaq. crazy to say, but yeah, he really did that. But yeah, they got they never just had the guy. They got it from multiple guys, and that's something that we have yet to see again. I mean, we came close with the Heat. That's probably the closest thing to it. But yeah, that's something in history that's it's not it doesn't happen happen often. No, yeah, and and like it, it's not me saying like a defense only team like that Pistons team yeah could always win a championship. That's not my point. My point is there's teams that have a higher defensive rating than offensive rating. They're winning championships. They're contending. Mm. You need good. De- you literally need good defense to get that far. No, yeah, you do. The only anomaly was of course the the 2017 Cavs which at the time they were the best offensive team of all time we saw the Kings get smoked unfortunately in the first round um this past year and they were seen as one of the best offensive teams of all time we saw the Mavericks last year get smoked as one of the best offensive teams was of that, all time was that last year or was that which one the Kings not nah, the Mavs because I remember the Mavs what was it 2020 where they had the best 2020 2022 where they smoked the Suns they had a really good offense as well mm. I think since Lucas got in there, they've had a really good offense. But I think 2022, unless I'm mistaken, I, they had a historic offense. I remember. I think it was the 1920 season. They had a really good yeah, offense. They, they they have great offenses all the time with Luka. But it's like, that shit don't work when you don't have any defense. Not yet. If, if, I mean, we could go look up the teams that scored the most points of all time, like, like per game. And you're going to get like that mid-80s Nuggets and, and Mavs teams. They didn't do shit. You know, they, they never even got close to contending. I think they each had a conference finals appearance each, but they didn't get anywhere. Like I said before, the seven seconds or less Suns, unfortunately, a, such a high offensive, like, oriented team, didn't get anywhere. I wanted them so badly to get somewhere with Steve Nash and Mari Stoudemire. Unfortunately, they didn't do shit. They didn't do shit. They didn't have the defense. Harden and CP3, those Rockets teams, we saw it. We saw it live. Unfortunately, did not beat the Warriors. All offense. Did they have good defenders like PJ Tucker? Sure. And Trevor Reese? Sure. But like a D'Antoni system, every other D'Antoni system, offensive oriented without a care in the world about defense too much. And this kind of segues into my next issue, which is bag talk. It, I, in my opinion, this is a pollution. Like there's a pollution in basketball discussion online. The bag talk. We're saying Brandon Miller, whether he's trolling or not, calling Paul George the GOAT. I'm tired of it. I'm not going to lie. I'm really tired of it. I'm tired of people saying Kyrie Irving just because he plays the game so beautifully, like the right way, because he just plays basketball better. He's one of the 10 best players in basketball just because KD could hezzy pull up so many times and so many different ways from any part of the court that he's better than so-and-so player. It's starting, it's starting to get annoying. We saw Harden bring it up. A player bring it up in MVP discussion against Giannis. In my honest opinion... <laughs> I don't give a fuck how niggas score, in my opinion. <laughs> no, I know you're laughing, but I'm being serious. I don't give a fuck how niggas score. Because at the end of the day, Giannis has one move, realistically speaking. Giannis has one move. He's scoring 32 points a game. Why should I care that Kyrie's scoring 25, doing 20 different dribble, dribble combinations before he makes a shot? Why should I care? Because he's driving <laughs> into the paint. Ooh, Jelly, why would I care about that? We've seen Shaq just dominate. Underrated footwork, by the way. But he's not a bad guy, you know? Scoring 29 points per game. The most dominating force we've ever seen in the league. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, who's taking Allen Iverson over him? Who's taking Kyrie over him? Who's taking Kevin Durant over him all time? Nobody. Who's taking, God forbid, Paul George over Shaq, over Giannis? I could care less how guys score. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what it looks like. If you have 30 and I have 30, and you have it all on, on a bunch of threes, a bunch of turnaround fade jumpers, and all of mine are layups right next to the basket wide open, who cares? We both had 30 at the end of the day. Yeah. This is why I have a big problem with the bag talk, with the upping the guys like the Paul Georges, the Kevin Durants, the Kyrie Irvings of the world, just because, oh, their game just looks more appealing. So what? Who cares how their game looks, bro? That does not make you a better basketball player. And a lot, uh, another thing that bothers me, too, is when people say skilled and, and they want to ignore defense as if defense isn't a skill or, or playmaking isn't a skill. That's another problem I have with the bag talk, guys. Bag, bag, apparently, is just how are you going to score the ball? How many different ways do you score the ball? How about we talk about your footwork on defense? How about we talk about your vision? You making the right read? How about we talk about you getting into the passing lanes? Are those not skills? Is, is, is being a top rebounder in the league not a skill? Why is it only like the most skilled guys? It's it's always Kevin Durant, Paul George, Kyrie Irving. It's the same fucking discussion every time. Nah, yeah. We can't let the bag distract play, uh, people from, is this guy really that type of player? But yeah, like obviously guys like Kyrie, Paul George, Kevin Durant, they're very fun players to watch. I get excited too when I watch Kyrie. Who doesn't? Everybody does. Um, but yeah, like you said about Giannis, Giannis has very little to no bag, but he's still a fucking MVP, and he still is a champion. He gets it done. He's just determined. He doesn't really play with you like that. Uh, one of my favorite guys to watch, Kawhi Leonard. He has a bag, but his his bag is very straight to the point, mm-hmm. old school. He doesn't. He's not really. He's not very flashy. His shit is just straight to the point. Um, Jimmy Butler, a lot of people say he has no bag, but he is very textbook. He just, like, you see him dunking, he's not trying to poster. He's just two-hand. He does the proper footwork. The bad guys, I don't know. It's a, it's, I guess it's just a social media thing. Let me, let me throw you one. Let me throw you one real quick. People like to say LeBron James has no bag. Who cares? People say LeBron has no bag. LeBron will lose to so-and-so one-on-one. So what? At worst, the man is the second best player of all time. That's what's crazy to me. He has no bag. Oh, well, he can't win a game one-on-one. That's another problem. People want to think basketball is a one-on-one game. It's 5v5. People want to say Paul George would beat everybody in the league one-on-one. Good for him. Good for him. How about 5v5? Now, yes, LeBron, I don't want to say he has no bag, but his— But people say that, unfortunately. I, I would say his— his fucking his mind is his bag on some corny shit it's true but yeah i feel like that is his bag because he more so thinks he's not really just like i feel like he's just in his head just seeing the whole game i feel like that's his shit where as other players they're just reacting to shit and they're just going off what the defense gives them lebron is literally just orchestrating everything on the court that's kind of just his thing and he just goes whatever way about it but like yeah, a lot of kids these days, they're like, um, Paul George is my favorite player. Uh, you see Jordan Poole, bad guy. He's so all over TikTok. Bro. But don't let that distract you. Like, 
one of my favorite players on my shirt, R.J. Barrett. He does not have a flashy game at all. Yeah, but, like, but come on, let's not use him. Okay, that's, that's but, a bad example. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's not he's not one of the top guys, but I enjoy watching him play. But um, you can't really equate bag with like this guy's fucking amazing because we see guys like Jamal Crawford, one of the best bags, crazy bag, crazy bag. Mean, doesn't mean shit. Doesn't mean shit. He's a great six man. He's a great player. Well, not great, but he's a very good player. Same thing with Lou Williams. I was going to say the same shit. J.R. Yeah. Smith, all J- these six men. J.R. Smith got a fucking bag, bro. Don't matter. He has a bag, but his his best, he excelled the most as a role player. We're seeing the same thing. I don't know if you guys, actually, no, I'm not going to say that. But yeah, J.R. Smith, he excelled the most. Nah, as you could a, say, speak your mind. I, I was going to say, look at Kentucky. You got Robert Dillingham. You saw him in overtime elite doing all that crazy shit. He got he got a super bag, but right now I know it's early in the, in the whatever it's preseason, but he's struggling right now. Yeah, and that's a guy that a lot of like casual fans will go up to me and be like, "Yo, Robert Dillingham is gonna go crazy at Kentucky." I'm like, "Bro, it's not the overtime elite. He this is college ball now. He's not gonna be doing all that's that system, all that hezzy shit." I'm like, "He's probably going to struggle because now he has to play with other top high school players." And he has to share the rock and play in a system. So you his shit his stock might fall. Obviously it's early in the season, so he's gonna have good games here and there, but it's gonna be an adjustment for sure. But you see like certain guys, they have bags, but you, you could tell they could they could play in any type of system. But you can't really just go off a bag and be like, Yeah, that guy's fucking great. Cause I've seen guys with fuck like Joe Johnson had a fucking bag, but mm-hmm. by all means, he was no superstar. No, definitely he not. had a fucking bag, and but we I never considered Joe Johnson a fucking superstar player. Mm-hmm. Paul Pierce, low key, had a bag, a low key bag, low yeah. key. But we never sat here and said he's a top ten player. Mm, well, not to take away from him, he might have been top ten. Yeah, he might have been top ten, time, but, but like no one's like hyping him up. Yeah, nobody's yeah nobody's hyping him up. Yeah, yeah no that's what I should say. He has a bag, and it's like. Here's another thing. Here's a better example because you said R.J. Bear, right? Yeah. Carmelo Anthony, one of my first favorite basketball players of all time. One of the best Braids, bags. Mello, one of the best bags of all time. Yeah. The Gucci Duffy bag, basically, right? Unfortunately, a lot of deficiencies in this game. Can't play make and was not engaged on defense, which yeah. is what led to him, unfortunately, not having the career that he was projected to have because him and LeBron was supposed to be like um, bird and magic. That didn't pan out, unfortunately. But... You got a lot of guys. Like I'm gonna start throwing you some names. Just quick fire. Yes or no? You don't even have to give an explanation. Like Lou, Lou Will, better than Giannis. Fuck no. J.R. Smith, better than Giannis. No. Michael Beasley, who beat LeBron one on one, better than Giannis. No. Better than LeBron. No. All right then. Better than Paul George. Uh, Paul George, better than Giannis. No. Okay. Joe Johnson, better than Giannis. No. KD, this is probably the closest one. Better than Giannis. No. All right then. So what the what the fuck are we talking about as a basketball community? Putting so much of an emphasis on bag talk. None of these guys are better than Giannis, right? And I guess you could have an argument with KD, in my opinion. That that argument's dusted. It's been dusted a couple years ago, two, three years ago, whatever. But my point is, we talking so much about bag, putting so much emphasis on bag. You got one guy who just, people call him running dunk man. Just runs into the paint, takes two steps from half court to the, to the paint, dunks it. Oh, well, stop it. Stop what he's doing because it's really hard to stop it. In my opinion, this is going to sound crazy. But it's not crazy in my opinion. It's probably easier to stop Kevin Durant than it is Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
Because not everyone has the personnel to stop Giannis. Not everybody has the personnel. It's just the Heat, the Raptors that one year, where they had Kawhi Leonard and all their guys, Paul's was lengthy defenders, and the Celtics. It's not like everyone in the league could could stop Giannis. You could get a, a Kevin Durant stopper in free agency, throw him on whatever contending team, he could stop Kevin Durant. It's not a system. It's not like it's a system stopping Kevin Durant. It's players that could stop KD, regardless of his bag. Let me let me see how many people are going to stop Giannis from doing the same two moves every single time. A Euro step and running into the paint and dunking. Charging in, into people, getting blocking fouls that sometimes should be charges. You know, it's it's. I think the bag talk is ridiculous. Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant is super guilty of it because he's a hooper. He's a pure hooper. Yeah. He loves pure hoopers. Of course he's going to defend a take like that, which in my opinion is a ridiculous take. But you're going to have a lot of people... Who like the who like to appeal to authority like oh but Kevin Durant's been in the league for 16, 17 years. What do all these Twitter people know? What do what do we know, right? But we all watch the game, let's be real. KD's 30 might look better than Giannis's, but at the same at the end of the day, they both scored 30. That's all I gotta say on that. They both scored 30. Who cares? Who cares how you do it? I don't care if it's all free throws, I don't care if it's all open layups, I don't care if it's threes from half court. We all scored 30 the same way. Yeah, I guess the appeal for some people does matter. Cause I remember when Devin Booker dropped seventy, and that shit was like mostly free throws. I was like, wow, I was kind of underwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> it helped me beat you in fantasy though. Yeah, on that, the last yeah. day, I'll say that. That much. was fucking crazy. But yeah, that's another. That's a whole another point that I don't want to get too deep into, like the whole appeal to NBA players' opinions. Cause you'll have a, a fucking bench warmer from two thousand like five, right? He played like three years. And he'll give a take like, oh, uh, LeBron's just not a killer like Kobe. Like, who cares? <laughs> and people, people are going to disagree. And people are going to, well, did you ever play any NBA minutes? No. Because if we're going to take all NBA players' opinions as as um the Bible, why don't we take Paul Pierce's opinion seriously? Why don't we take Kendrick Perkins more seriously? Why don't we take Isaiah Thomas more seriously when he says um, Mike's not the GOAT? Why don't we take Scottie Pippen more seriously when, when he says... I'm better than Mike. I'm better than LeBron. Actually, LeBron's mm. the GOAT today. No, uh, Mike's the GOAT today. He's always flip-flopping, you know? But that's a whole other issue that I don't want to get too far into. Um, I do want to talk about some, some other Scotty's news. Scotty's the last guy I'll listen to. I, I like Scotty. I like Scotty. <laughs> you know? I like Scotty. But, yeah, so I wanted to talk about more um, into the Harden situation, the talks about him possibly being a Clipper. I think it's going to happen before the season starts. Um, we just got it right now, right before the show started, two minutes before, and Bede releasing quotes like, I just want to win a championship, whether it's here in Philly or somewhere else. That's a red flag. And I know how badly he wants Harden back for whatever reason. He's an aging star. You don't want to give him a big-ass bag for no reason. But how do you feel with the two different viewpoints? How do you feel about Philly possibly keeping him? And how do you feel, like, how good does this make the Clippers if they do get Harden? Uh, Philly keeps Harden. Um, like we were saying, I think the last episode you were on, I feel like they just stay the same. They stay stagnant. They might drop a couple stop, uh, spots in the East because there's other teams getting better. You got guys getting healthy and getting their whole team back, or they made some new additions. Um, so for me, I don't, I don't really, I'm not going to look as, at Philly as contenders with or without James Harden. For the Clippers... We're thinking they're what they'll give up what Norman Powell 
and what another just a bunch of role players a bunch of role players so you got they don't have picks actually so you'll have westbrook harden paul george and Kawhi leonard all together it sounds nice on paper but i don't know bags all in one yeah except for westbrook but yeah (laughs) but um i don't know i don't really know i don't really i'm not really too fond of it because it's like you brought Westbrook back, unless he's coming off the bench. We just saw Westbrook play really good as they start in PG. And now you're bringing James Harden in, who I would say at this point is a better facilitator than Russell Westbrook. 100%. All so, time, too. Yeah, so I'm like, I, I don't know if you're trying to bring Westbrook off the bench or you're going to play them together. But if you're going to play them together, I don't really like the sound of that. Because I think Westbrook, we've seen it. He plays better when he has the ball in his hands. So it's just to take it out of his hands. You're just going to go backwards at that point. So I would rather just have Westbrook come off the bench, I guess, or <laughs> tell Harden to be more aggressive as a scorer. But it's hard to do that when you also have Paul George and Kawhi on your team. But I guess the Clippers look at this like we need insurance just in case Kawhi or Paul George goes down because those guys are quick. They will. You mean when? When, because they're both. At this point. They're both. I don't think either of them, they play like, what, 50 games every year? Mm-hmm. Even, even Jerry West said it to Paul George on his podcast. He was like, yo, you guys can't even play 50 games every year. <laughs> but, yeah, so they need that. They got a new arena opening up. I don't think it's this season. I think it's next season. In Englewood, right? Yeah, so the 24-25 season. And they spent bread on that stadium. So they're going to need some type of stuff. They need something. Cause if they if they open up that stadium with no Kawhi, no PG, and they're injured or some shit, fans are gonna be like, "We're not going to the fucking games." And the joke in LA is like, there are no Clippers fans. It's there just, isn't. It's just Lakers fans. It's really that's really it. But yeah, I think that's really what the move is. You got that new stadium open opening up, so you need fans in the seats. You need to build on this team because. Since this shit has happened, I feel like nobody's really talked about it, but also they've gotten saved because of injuries. But this shit has been a failure, low-key. Like I predicted. This shit has been a failure. You traded all them shits for Paul George. You traded Shea, who's now one of the best young players in the NBA right now. Better than Paul George. You traded him away for Paul George. You traded mad shit for Paul George. This shit right now has been a failure. Because what, 2020, you blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets in the second round. Then 2021, what was it? They went to... Before you even move on, 2020 blew a lead, blame it on Doc Rivers. Oh, yeah. And, and what's the one the point I always bring up every single time to go against yeah. Paul George and Kawhi, how they choke because no one wants to recognize it. Oh. Pat Bev outscored both of them combined in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I don't like Doc Rivers. We made it very clear. But to blame only Doc Rivers for that is insane. They all need a piece of the pie. Then 2021, they did go to the conference finals. Kawhi got hurt in those playoffs. 2022, they missed the playoffs completely. I remember them losing to the fucking Timberwolves in the play-in. And Pat Bev was celebrating and shit. And then they lost to the Pelicans after that. And then this year, they they lost, what, first round? But you got Paul George was out. And then Kawhi was out too. I mean, Kawhi played phenomenal in those first two games. And then he was out for the rest of the series. They have gotten hit with injuries and bad luck and shit. But I feel like for a lot of teams, they're not using that excuse. Like, had it been a different team, we'd probably be like, oh, they failed, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, this shit has been a failure. You guys have the, – the clock is ticking, I feel like. The clock is ticking for y'all. And you guys have to make something happen. This Harden trade could – 
I don't think it's gonna put Chai over certain teams. Like if this if this trade happens, I'm not putting them over the Lakers. I'm not putting them over the Nuggets. Um, I feel like them in Phoenix maybe, but I would still maybe lean towards Phoenix. But this is a you have to get something done now because I feel like Steve Ballmer is the type of guy that's like, we gotta go now. We gotta get shit 100%. rolling. And I respect that about him. But like you said, this has been one of the biggest, not just NBA failures I've seen of like team construction and expectations. It's one of the worst like sports team constructions I've seen in my life. So much hype, so much hype behind this team. I always saw it as fool's gold. And you know that, of course, audiences and know this was this was like three years ago when it happened, four years ago when they teamed up. Fool's gold. I knew it was fool's gold. I knew Kawhi was legit, but I knew Paul George was kind of a fraud of a second star. You're never going to win a championship with Paul George, right? That's one thing. Another thing is, at this point, like you said, they have, they have this shield of they're the, they're the second biggest team in L.A., right? So they're not getting the criticism. If this is the Lakers that made a team like this and they, they went out in embarrassing fashion every year like that, criticized, crucified by the media. This is the Knicks. Criticized, crucified. The Celtics built a team like this. If the Heat built a team like this, we're seeing the Suns, who aren't even a bigger market than LA, but being the sole Phoenix team is a much bigger um, like media share than than being the second biggest team in LA. They're getting crucified more. The Nets, second biggest team in New York, were getting crucified for the failure that they had. The Clippers, generally speaking, they've been like shielded from it. It's because nobody cares about the Clippers in LA, bro. There isn't really Clipper fans in LA. All all these Clipper fans, they're from they're from outside of California. And my honest opinion is gonna sound crazy, but leave the Oakland A's in Oakland. Give Vegas the Clippers. Mm. Give give Vegas the Clippers because moving them to Englewood, I'm not too familiar with California geography, but I'm pretty sure it's still close enough to, to LA to claim to be from LA. You know, you're not. It's not like you're, you're tapping into a new market. It's the same market, and you're not getting anything from it. This has been a failure. Um, star hunting for more old guys is not going to do you any favors either. Getting Harden is not going to solve anything. Like you said, Westbrook in a small sample size did play pretty good as their point guard. You don't want to bring in another facilitator like Harden because that's going to fuck it up. But regardless, you're not winning with Westbrook as your main guy, and you're not winning with Harden as your main facilitator either. I think this is just a team that's done and dusted already. Like you said, they traded Shea, who's now who now came out as the best player in that trade by far. And in return, you got Paul George, who went from being injury ridden because he was playing sixty games a season. Now he's playing like forty five. PG PG and, and Kawhi at this point, I don't even know if they played hundred combined games last season. Seriously, it's probably <laughs> close. I don't think they played a combined hundred games. I'm about to bro. check that right now. Check that for me while I talk. You feel me? It's like I don't think they played played a hundred combined games because they're always fucking hurt. And it's been it's been a it's been the same issue. Yes, all right, fine. They're injured. It's an excuse. They're injured. They're injured. They're injured. But you knew the risk when you got these two guys. You knew that Kawhi load manages a lot. You knew that Paul George has been in- injury riddled for more than half of his career. You wanna, so it's like you want to hear it. You got they it. They just made it. Well, like hundred and two. It was hundred and eight. So Kawhi played fifty two games and Paul George played fifty six. 
Damn. So, so you see, I thought Paul George played less than fifty this year, but it, like you just said, they they played a hundred. They just made games. it. <laughs> they just barely crashed the, the threshold out of a a combined one hundred sixty four max potential, right? Yeah. What what is it that that Harden's gonna offer? You're getting another choker, so you're getting just more chokers to surround Kawhi. You another, got you got Harden, you got PGS chokers. Another guy that kind of deals with injuries too. Yeah, he he's injury riddled too. So what are you expecting? Because you like you said, their mindset is all right. When PG and, and Kawhi go down, this is who's gonna carry us. Who's gonna carry when Harden goes down? Because at this point, ever since his, ever since he was on the Nets, he's getting hurt every year. Yeah. And people are going to say Westbrook could do it, but we saw Westbrook and Norman Powell do it. And now if you get hardened, you're going to lose out on Norman Powell. Exactly. You're losing you're losing your your rotation guys at this point. Yeah. Which is kind of what we're seeing with um like the Suns. And it's kind of something I wish we would stray away from at this point because we're seeing teams win championships, not stars. Like we said a couple episodes ago, we're seeing teams like the Nuggets, teams like the Heat, you know, getting that far. The teams like the Bucks getting that far, the Warriors yeah. getting that far, not because they have the most stars, but because they have a good team. No, yeah, it's a it's a problem at this point. I, f- I feel like the the recipe for a good contending team, it's always gonna be the one or two superstars or the one superstar, one all star, and then a bunch of role players. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the Lakers got a really good structure right now. Cause you, I mean, them two, them two stars. It's tougher because it's like you got LeBron who's older and AD who's injury riddled. But if they're clicking, that team is scary as shit. And if they each play sixty five games, yeah, that team is scary as shit. Same thing with the Nuggets. You got Jokic superstar, and you got Jamal Murray who turns it the fuck up in the playoffs, and he goes absolutely nuts. And you got very good role players within that lineup when you just have like big name stars in your fucking court in your lineup it's just cool but it's not everything it's not everything as it is because there's always gonna be a guy that sacrifices like the heat chris bosh sacrifice kevin love sacrifice clay thompson had to sacrifice when kevin durant got there so there's always it's not gonna be what everybody expects when everybody gets put together we never see all fucking guys even fucking college basketball we saw rj cam and zion play together failed yeah cam reddish had to sacrifice and he he could have went anywhere else and could have been a top five pick and we saw how that happened but and another thing kind of adds to that recipe thing one thing that's very important not only is it about one superstar one all-star whatever two superstars whatever for for teams to contend like that you got to have iron men to be honest with you. Yeah, you do. You can't, even if you have Paul George and Kawhi and you surround them with the best role players in the league, that shit don't matter because the role players aren't going to carry you when they both go down. Yeah. You feel me? You got one of them got, for one of them to be injury riddled, sure. One of them got to be an Iron Man, but they're the exact opposite of that yeah, at this point in their careers. Yeah. That's the problem. Y- guys like Giannis play every game, right? Guys like Jokic play every game. That's why teams like that work. Curry, you know, the, the start of his career, injury riddled at this point in his career. I wouldn't say he's an Iron Man, but he plays a, a good amount of games. You feel me? Yeah. It, it's it's not going to work when your two main guys and great core, you know, those two main guys are hurt every fucking year. Yeah. Every single year without fail. Will we ever see either Paul George or Kawhi play 70 games ever again for the rest of the careers? I don't, I don't think, so. think so. Hell no. 70 games? I don't think so because wow. missing 12 is, is low-key a big deal. But even that, they can't even miss just 12. 
I don't even know if they'll play 65 ever again. Nah, yeah, I'm like, yo, can you play 62, please? I don't <sighs> 62 would be. It's disgusting that we have to beg these guys to play, to miss 20 games. Because I think Kawhi's year in Toronto, I think he played 60 games. I think it was like 60 or 62, something yeah. like that. And, and look what they did. You but they me? had a good-ass team, so he could actually, he could get away with that. Because I, I think they had a really good record when he wasn't playing. But because of a star like Pascal Siakam, fuck that. But um, he was a star though. <laughs> you, you know, yeah, not yeah, the truth. He but was a star. it was really that year after where he was on some shit. He was a star that year though. I'm talking about like a 18 point per game guy playing great defense, one through five. Come on now, let's put some respect on Siakam. <laughs> when you say star, I think of the year after when he averaged like 24. He was, he was, but he, he was, was on he was, some he was a, shit. He was a budding star. He yeah, was, yeah. And even to segue into the next thing, he was like on the edge of stardom to be honest with you <laughs> he was really like right there and you know he just exploded the next season he exploded the next season he became a star you know but like, like but like you said he played like 60 to like 65 games that year <laughs> i wish we could see Kawhi play 60 games i wish we could see you know and you know i don't like paul george but at this point i wish we could see both of them play 65 games you're missing 17 games still each and you can't even manage that Nope. FanDuel got to put out over-unders on how many games they're going to play at this point. Over-under combined, 110. I'm taking the under. Yeah. They'll probably play like 104 combined. That's what, like 55 each? 55 each. I don't have faith in that at this point. I really don't. It's And it's a shame because... We we when it first happened, everyone wanted to hype up the battle for LA, the battle for LA. That should never happen, you know. Nah, yeah, that first year it was warranted because we finally got a big team in in both LA team because we hadn't seen that because it was like when the Lakers were popping with Kobe, Shaq, the Clippers were dog shit with Lamar Odom and them boys, and then when Kobe and Powell was there, you had the Lob City, but they wasn't. And then once Lob City was really like that, the Lakers were ass. So this was like the first time ever where both LA teams was fine. But yeah, that first year it was okay to do that because you got to remember the the Clippers were like what the two seed all year. Yeah, and then they fell. To yeah, so I, that first year was understandable, but after that it was just like nah, fuck that. Nah, I mean, in my opinion, with all due respect, any niggas that think a Paul George team is a contender, you're crazy. Because at this point, and, and I'm being serious, at this point, like, Paul George, if you want to win a championship, he's got to be the third guy. And even that's stretching at this point. Like, I don't know what two guys better than him on a team with him, along with decent role players, is going to win a championship. Like, what combo, what what duo, and then that's so, better than Paul George. So duos and then Paul George. Yeah. What's going to win You think you could win Devin Booker, KD, and Paul George? No. No. Uh, what about Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle? Fuck no. Thank you, because I don't want that nigga on no. the Knicks either. <laughs> he said shout out to Mikey Locks. Because yeah, he Mike, Mikey Locks wanted to talk crazy to me. Like, yo, we should get Paul George. Fuck out of here. For what? To play 50 games and then lose, <laughs> lo- lose us a series in the first or second round? I'm good on that. To choke? I'm good on that. But it's like, seriously, what duo? Maybe Bam, Jimmy, and him would work out. But you're sacrificing a lot of what makes them the Miami. Heat. I wouldn't even do that because it's like on some nights, Bam and Jim, Bam and Paul might interchange as 
the mm-hmm. two guy. The two and like you said, you was like, Paul George is your second guy. You can't win. So you're going to have some nights where mm-hmm. he is your second guy. And it's going to be very unpredictable. You may not know what's going to happen. And uh, imagine a night where he chokes and then Bam just has... Bam like, Bam has a night where he, he comes to- off a 20-20 and 20 game with eight assists and then he has... 10 points with five rebounds. Yeah, so he you, likes doing that shit. Yeah, he likes doing that. And then imagine a Paul George choke game with that. So I wouldn't even risk that. It would have to be like two like sh- surefire like guys. Like I don't even have to imagine that. I've seen it so many times. It's the same. It's like a Marvel movie. It's the same thing every time. Paul George gets to the playoffs, chokes. It's the same fucking format every time. Truth be told. But let's move into our new segment, Justin. You said you had a segment for me last night when we were all in a PlayStation party. You said you got some names for me. Um, we're gonna determine, you know, what the season's gonna look out for the, look out like for them, and yeah. So, what's the name of the segment? Cause you didn't even tell me that. All right. So this segment, this isn't gonna be an every episode thing. It's probably gonna be like a once in a while thing. But the name of this segment is called Bust or Nut, and the, <laughs> I had a different name in mind, but we uh, <laughs> we all voted and said this might be the the catchy name, the the easier name to say. So Bust or Nut. This means Bust means <laughs> You are going to fizzle out um, your time as an NBA player. Uh, there's no hope for you left. And you kind of like all the expectations we had for you. It's kind of just over. We have we're done with you. We're not talking about you anymore. And nut means you're on the verge of exploding onto the scene. You, you, you have high expectations and we are expecting things of you. And I have a list right here of 13 players. And we are both going to discuss if these players are on the verge of busting <laughs> or nutting. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but it's going to be good for y'all. So uh, wh- whoever, whatever is nut is like, they're about to go nuts this season. Basically, they're about to go nuts. Like, they're about that to have. That sounds better. Yeah, basically. So, I'm a first name I have for you, Cam Reddish. Bust or nut? That's a big bust to me. Bust? That's a big bust. I'm not saying this is his last chance. I think he's going to have one more after this. I think he's going to become like a G League guy. I think he's going to fizzle out kind of like like Josh Jackson in a type of way. He's going to quietly fizzle out. Naya, to me, this is Cam Reddish's last chance. Um, we saw it in Atlanta. He had a good good time as a defensive player, and then he went to the Knicks. I had high hopes and he didn't play he was out the rotation and then with the blazers he had a few good moments but it wasn't really enough nobody really cared the blazers were just not yeah but now you're playing with lebron james you're you're, hopefully they could revive him like we saw with malik monk and then we saw with lonnie walker hopefully he could have that same type of thing and it could bring up his value but to me i'm like if it doesn't work here I don't know where else is gonna work, cause we could say he could he needs more time, but like, bro, I've seen you in three different teams already, and if this might just be who you are at this point, and it sucks, cause I've been a Cam Reddish fan since the Duke days, and I've always seen the potential, but it sucks. Like he may never reach it, and it's sad, but it's the NBA. People you, really thought that nigga would be the best out of all three of them. Yeah, that's the crazy. A part. lot of people. I never believed it, but, but that's like, crazy. but yeah, a lot of people. You had fucking Anthony Edwards saying he was the hardest player I ever had to guard in my life, Jesus. and now we'll probably never get to see his potential. A lot of it has to do with situation, but I think a lot of it's on him because maybe it's just him at this point. He doesn't have 
the makeup. I always used to say if Cam Reddish had fucking RJ's mental, he'd be a fucking superstar. Oh, that's a little too far for me. Or <laughs> right, he'd be he'd be like an all star. I think he's a bust, but I I think last chance is a little bit of a reaction. I think one more team's gonna take a flyer on him. Yeah, and let's say he's gonna quietly fizzle out. All right, next name Jalen Suggs. If I had to pick one, bust. Bust. Definitely bust. Explain that for me. Bringing a, another guard in. You got too many fucking guards on that team that are kind of mid. But at this point, I'm taking Cole Anthony. I'm taking Fultz. And right now, I'm taking Anthony Black over him. Yeah. So where is he going to get his minutes from? Not yet. I agree. Um, I would say bust as well because just too many guards in that lineup. I was... I just think Anthony Black is going to be the focus going forward. I think Markel Fultz, you probably keep him around for another year or two. My only thing about keeping Suggs would be, like, the defensive upside. But, like... That's Anthony Black. Yeah, you have Anthony Black who gives it to you on with playmaking and defense. So, it's like he kind of gives you everything that he's lacking. So, I think for Jalen Suggs, it's unfortunate because... Two years ago, he was on top of the world in college mm-hmm. basketball. And now it just shows you how time it's flies. Wade moment, yeah. Yeah, it shows you how time flies like that in the NBA. I remember D'Angelo Russell coming into the Lakers, and he's already getting replaced by Lonzo. Mm-hmm. Like that. Like shit moves fast in the NBA. So for Jalen Suggs, I think this is a bust. Um, Next guy, Obi Toppin. Bust or nut? This is going to be the first nut, bro. I think, First one? yep, he's going to go nuts this year, in my yeah. opinion. Now, I'm not going to overrate it uh, as many as other people saying, like, most improved or he's going to be an all-star. I think he's going to be, like, a solid, like, 13-point-per-game guy and really get to show his bag out in Indiana. And it is going to be a really high-octane high offense. Tyrese Halliburton said, I'm just going to throw it up there and always going to catch it and dunk it. That shit, it sounds like a joke, but it's real. At, with the with the offense that they're going to be playing, that transition offense, just throw that shit up there. Obi will catch it. Obi will dunk it. That's all he's going to do. And hopefully his three-point shooting gets better as well. Nah, yeah. I'm going to go nut here. Um, I think <laughs> I think this is like a really good situation for Obi Toppin. He's going to play in a very fast-paced offense. He's going to play with Tyrese Halliburton, who likes to facilitate, who likes to get his guys involved. He's going to be out there catching lobs, running the fast break. This is going to be really good for him. He finally gets to get out of that New York system. I never thought he was a bad player. I just never. It's just unfortunate. We drafted him after Randall had a shitty year. And then his rookie. When I wanted Tyrese, by the way. Yeah, we yeah we should have drafted Tyrese. I, don't, I guess the Knicks just overthought it. You don't have to overthink. But we drafted him when Randall had a shitty year. And then Obi's rookie year, Randall plays out of his fucking mind. So there's no minutes for Obi there. That kind of just fucked everything up. But now we get to see him blossom, hopefully, in Indiana. You said 13 points a game. Yeah. yeah. People I was th- are going crazy saying like 18, 20. That's OD. I was thinking like 16. I, I think that's his cap, though. Yeah, yeah. I think cap. I think 16. Like that's everything works out, 16. Yeah, I think for next season, at least, I think mm-hmm. I would say like 16. I feel like his cap would be like overall like 19 probably. But, yeah, just for next season, I would say 16 for him. I think this he has the most potential to to jump, mm-hmm. so I think this would be it for me. For me, uh, next player, I'm gonna go with uh, Jonathan Kaminga. I mean, Draymond said that look what he what CP3 did for Aiton. Um, I don't know, maybe um, 
let's go with like a middle option. Let's say he's 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 on the edge. He's edging. He's on the edge. Um, he's on the edge of bust. He's on the edge of nut. He's just edging right now. He could be. He could go either way. You know, I gotta see it happen, but potential nut. So we'll call potential it the edge right nut. now. This I didn't really give too much thought about, Jonathan. In the draft, bro, I was really heavy on Jonathan Kamingo. I'm like, yo, this guy's gonna be it. He's gonna be the next guy. I never really had like superstar ceiling for him, but I always thought he was a safe. Well, he was raw, but I always thought he could be like his ceiling would be like all star level, like a low end all star type of guy. He has the build for it. Yeah, he has the build for it. He has all the tools. I feel like this has to be the year where I'm not saying he has to make an all star jump, but he has to make significant strides just to for the Warriors to understand like, all right, he's a piece that we're gonna use going forward for the post Curry era. And I As think Draymond replacement, yeah. Yeah. Cause we saw they got Jordan Poole the fuck out of there. So and they got new management now. They got Dunleavy in there. Bob Myers is no longer there. So you need to show them, especially because Dunleavy didn't draft you. So now he has no attachment to you. He'll probably just be like, oh, fuck out of here, nigga. He's like a stepchild. Yeah, he's like a stepchild. Um, So this would have to be the year where Kaminga's like, all right, if I want to stay with the Warriors and be a part of this culture, be a, be the next guy up in this, in this core, in this franchise, this has to be the year you have to take a jump. I'm not saying all-star jump. But a jump that's like, all right, this guy is here to stay. He's going to be one of the guys. And I think, yeah, it will have to be next year. This, this jump has to come. Um, Next guy, I'm going to go with Zach Levine. Well, I think he's already nut. This is like post-nut. so Clarity. Yeah, this is like clarity. So he's, he's already great enough. Is there another level to him? Uh, probably not, but he's going to be consistently good again. You know, at this point, he kind of is what he is. I don't think he's going to get better, and I don't think he's going to get worse anytime soon. So we'll just keep him as it's been a consistent nut the past, like, three years. <laughs> that sounds fucking crazy. But um, the only reason I put Zach Levine was because, like, is there another gear he could go? What are the questions around him? Because I feel like he doesn't really get a lot of flack. Because do we know if he could be... Nah, at this point, I don't think people look at him as a number one guy. But I feel like some people do. He'd be a great number two, but he has to learn how to play better defense. Yeah, so I would just say it in that sense. But yeah, to me, he's... I feel like he's just what he is at this point. Exactly. He's just an edge. So He's an edge. Yeah, I think in some... like I think if he was on the right situation, playoff team, he could have some nights where he's a nut. And he goes crazy in the playoffs, and he's gonna look like a number one guy. But I really think he's like a tweener. Like he's just he's an edge where he's like best case scenario, he's probably a number two or number three on the championship team. But he'll have nights where he's going crazy, he's going nuts. Um, next name, I'm gonna have Isaac Okoro. What do you think? I want to apologize to our boy Colin, who's a Cavs fan, but that's a bust at this point. He's a bust. Um, he ain't show up against the Knicks. You know, as we saw, Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert ain't bring the offense. Okoro ain't bring the defense. And that that's what that was the two main things that they could do. That's the only things that they could do. Okoro's a bust right now. Nah, yeah, this is about to be year four for Okoro. I feel like he just, I don't even know, man. It's tough. And we I remember we was in the party. We was looking back at that draft class. That draft class was ass. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, Coral to me, that's a bust. Like to find wings that does or what you would at least want him to do is not that hard. A three and D wing, he gives no three. He gives some pause D, but it wasn't there in the playoffs. No, and you need that to go forward. Um, yeah, this is a bust for me, especially. You, he was the fifth pick in the draft. He won't be out the league though. But nah, yeah, he he's, won't. Be, he's never gonna be. He that won't guy. be out the league. I think he'll always have like as long as he improves his three point shot and he could keep it consistent, he'll always have a job in the NBA. But just in this Cleveland situation and his on, I guess I don't know if he's already ended his rookie contract. Um, but yeah, his, just his rookie time, his rookie contract time with the Cavs, it's been a bust. It's been bad. Um, another name I have, Kevin Porter Jr. Um, I think he's kind of like, I don't want to say overhated, but I think he's like pretty criticized considering the situation he's in, the team he's on. But with the new guys coming in, I'm not going to say bust, but he's like lower edge. You feel me? <laughs> but if he got moved, I think he could go nuts on the right team. On the correct team, he could go nuts. But right now, because of, you know, the situations and the guys that they're bringing in, the personnel, fortunately, for the moment, he's a bust until he gets traded. No, yeah, I, I agree with you. With the Rockets, I think it's a bust because um, you just brought in a man Thompson and then you also paid Fred Van Vliet. And I wouldn't want Kevin Porter Jr. playing over either of those guys. I would want a man Thompson to start. I don't know if he is. Because you just paid a lot of money to Fred Van Vliet. So he's definitely going to be the guy at least coming off the bench for Fred Van Vliet being that point guard. I think Kevin Porter, his, I was saying this, Kevin Porter's ideal role, the role I feel like he'll succeed the most in, is he if he's an off-the-bench spark plug. I don't know why the fuck they had him running point guard. He is not a point guard. He's obviously a scoring guard. A combo guard. He is not a point guard. I think his ideal role is to be an off-the-bench scorer like a J.R. Smith, like a Jordan Clarkson, some somebody like that. And with Houston, I don't know. They have a lot of guys. He could be that guy in Houston, but I feel like it's time now to go somewhere else because they're implementing something new with all these guys they're bringing in. So I think he could find a role there. The question is, would he want to do that after starting for two years at the point? I don't know. That's something I can't really answer. That's up to him. But maybe in a different situation, he could be that. Maybe on like a middling, I'm not going to say a contending team, but a team that's like pieces away to getting there. Maybe he could be that type of guy. Because imagine Kevin Porter Jr. on like, I know I didn't say non I'm going to just say, imagine him on the Bucks. Off the bench. Good. Yeah. That'd be something cool to see. But yeah. Uh next name. I know we uh, we just talked about them. I'ma just throw it out just to get it out the way. The entire Clippers organization. Bust. <laughs> bust. One of the biggest busts I've seen of all time. I don't gotta explain it. Bust, one of the biggest failures ever. Yeah, this is a bust. It's been four years now, no champion one Western Conference Finals appearance. No championship, no finals appearance. You got two guys. You traded your whole future away. This year has to be it. Like, I feel like excuses, all the injury excuses are going to be thrown out the window at a certain point. But, yeah. 
Uh, next name. R.J. Barrett. Mm, I don't know. I think he's kind of. There's another guy. I I would hope for him to be an all star. We both really want him to be an all star, but with the situation he's in, he's always going to be a capped at like a 16 to 20 point per game guy. He's just like a, a edge type of guy. I don't want. I'm not one of those guys who really is like dying to move Julius Randle. I, I could care less where he's moved or not. But if Julius Randle was moved, I think he could go nuts. But with how they have to share the ball, quick Brunson, um, Hart, DiVincenzo now, Randle, and RJ, ah, it's not enough ball to go around. So I'll just say he's kind of on the edge, depending on um what moves they make. Even though they're not going to make any moves, but. He's kind of stuck in his ways right now as a 16 to 20 point per game guy. Nah, yeah, I think he's like teetering because I do think he plays a lot better when Randall's not playing. He plays exceptionally better. But um, if Randall's still there, which I'm at this point, I'm expecting Randall's still going to be on the team. I think he'll just be edge because he, he has some nights where he goes nuts, but other nights where he's just bust. But yeah, it really depends on the situation. He's the clear-cut number three guy on this team, depending on what happens. Um, yeah, he's just teetering for me. Hopefully, I would love to see him reach his reach what I thought he would get to, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, next guy on this list, I'm going to go Carl Anthony Towns. Um, so because of his expectations, especially ones that he's brought upon himself, the best offensive big, saying that what the Timberwolves did was better than the Nuggets, all this shit talking best, big man shooter of all time. I mean, I love the confidence, but with how his season's looking, I don't have much faith in, faith in the Timberwolves, especially with Gobert still there. Um, They're not going to move Gobert, so I'm going to go a bust right now. He's going to be pretty good, but... He's not going to be an all-NBA guy. He's not better than even a guy like Sabonis at this point. He's really not. So he's a bust for now. Move Gobert. Could be either on the edge or, or go nuts. But right now with Gobert there, playing the four, which he really shouldn't be, he's a bust. Yeah, it's going to be tough to move Gobert. I don't even know if they could move him. Some people think they should trade him. Trade Towns. Yeah, some people think that. If that could happen, maybe he could go back to being nuts again. But I think now it's just that fit with him and Gobert together. As long as they keep playing together, I don't really like the fit. So I'll probably probably go edge. He's going to have nights where he, he goes nuts, but it's really just teetering. I feel like we've seen everything we've seen. I think it's time to move on and have Anthony Edwards just be the guy. We're already seeing that, but it's time to just take full control of that. I don't know where he could go, though, where he would excel. To be honest with you, like he'll go places and he'll still put up like 23, 25 points per game. But to do that and be a successful team, I'm not seeing it anywhere. All right, I got what three more names Joel Embiid. Um, he's gonna go nuts this year, but not going nowhere in the playoffs, unfortunately. Same story, same ending. So, you think with that overall, is that nuts or is that bust? I think he's still gonna put up like. 30 and, and 13 at this point. That's what he's been the past three years, a 30-point-per-game guy. I think he'll put up, like, 30 and, like, 13, but it's not going to get anywhere. I guess with expectations for his Sixers overall, it's going to be a bust. I'm going to go bust because I don't give a fuck if you average 33 points in the regular season. If you lose in the semifinals again, 
I'm not looking at it like, oh, yeah, he went fucking nuts. Fuck that. This, to me, would be a bust. You have, you have, I feel like there's a lot of pressure now. This is should the, be. Yeah, there should be. Because this is the first, like, time where he's gotten a lot of scrutiny ever. Um, second to last, we got Zion Williamson. Oh, my God. With his interview talking about how it's so hard to eat healthy because he makes so much money. Are you fucking serious? You got Mariah Mills. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to make it really quick, but Mariah Mills talking about he abuses her and shit, whether that's real or not. Man, um, because I don't think he's going to be on the court for more than 30 games, bust. And with him, it's either bust or not. There's no edge because yeah, there's no for edge. him to go nuts. Yeah. It's sad to say, and same thing with Paul George and Kawhi, but I'm giving him more leeway. You gotta play 50 fucking games, bro. Yeah. Please. You're, you would already be missing 32. Please play 50 games. Yeah, can you play 55, please? Just I, forget the 55. Just play the 50. We're, we're That's all we want. Remember, we were talking about the Pelicans is gonna be the one seed. They're rivals with the Suns. You know, Zion goes down. Play 50 games, bro. The Pelicans would be, that would be so much fun if he plays 50 games. Yeah, the one year, his second year, he played, what, 60-some games? Beast. Went nuts. There's no in-between with Zion. It's either bust or nut. It's like, he's going to either play and go nuts, or he's going to get injured and be a bust. And the last name, I did this on purpose, Ben Simmons. (laughs) Is this something worse than bust? Because at this point, people, including me, don't even have faith in him being like a 10, 8, and 6 guy. I think he's going to have worse counting stats. If he plays, if Ben Simmons plays, because I've said it before, he's a fucking coward. If Ben Simmons plays, he's going to have worse counting stats than Draymond Green. Damn. I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee. He will score less than Draymond. He will rebound less than Draymond. The only thing he'll beat him in, barely, will be assists. Mm. But he's going to get cooked by Draymond in every statistical category, which is a shame because it used to be a... 18, 8, and 8 guy. We're never seeing that ever again. Nah, yeah, it's very interesting seeing the fucking decline <clears throat> of Ben Simmons because he. Unlike one we've seen before. Yeah, it's crazy because he was a good player and now I think it's just a confidence thing. But at the same time, I don't even think he fucks with basketball like that. Not, that's, a, that's a discussion we can have next week. Yeah. Not a lot of players do, unfortunately. Yeah, but I think at this point it's bust because. And what really rubbed me the wrong way was. Him going on JJ Reddick saying I'm I'm gonna be back. I'm shooting threes. Yeah, I've been I'm in the gym and I'm, I'm hype. And yeah. him posting all these fucking workout videos of him shooting threes, bro. And it's the same shit every year. And he's sensitive as hell because that JJ Reddick interview, you could tell that there was cuts in the episode. There was Damn. obviously shit said that he want to cut it out because he's so sensitive. He's a crybaby. He's not gonna play. And then him posting Philly when they lost. And corny, bro. Yeah, I'm like corny. He uh, just cares about the bag. He's this corny. isn't like a fucking personal. Like I don't have any personal hatred for Ben. For I was, me it is. Yeah, for you it is. I was a fucking Ben Simmons fan defender. 2019, I was hype. That was like my peak Ben Simmons fandom. But now it's just like, bro, you're just a shell of yourself. Man. I ain't never Bust. been a, a, a Ben Simmons fan from the jump. And I remember, I, I remember laughing at you and like Dave and all these niggas. Because y'all was all hyping up Ben Simmons. And when he dropped one point against Boston, that was like my Christmas. Oh, yeah. I, that I, was my Christmas because I was laughing so hard. That whole shit against the Hawks, I already know y'all already lost faith in him. That shit was hilarious to me. 
hilarious because he is a bum at this oh yeah point. that was that was the end he is a, he is a bum bro and they got to make a 30 for 30 on ben simmons and how much of a, a coward and a bum he is and everything that he did to ruin philly's chances of, of being a championship yeah. team because right now they should at least have a finals appearance but he he's been such a a negative part of that team that this is why we're seeing philly collapse how they are now and it's partly because you know it's mostly because of ben simmons and right now he's destroying his own career yeah big bust i'm not expecting more than 35 40 games he's gonna say ouch my back hurts oh my pussy hurts blah 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 <laughs> he's gonna do the same shit he did last year average like eight points fucking seven eight rebounds six assists yeah. nothing that, that's nothing i'm gonna be taking i'm gonna be slamming his unders every single night because that's how i was making money at the start of last year slamming ben simmons under seven and a half points you know how sad that is that you can't score eight fucking points in the nba as the first pick and I'm slamming the under every single night. That's embarrassing, bro. Honestly, that's embarrassing. You can't score eight points. But thank you so much, Ben Simmons, for making me hundreds of dollars that way. I appreciate that. <laughs> that ass. But, guys, that wraps it up for the day. Justin, thank you for the segment. But, you know, for today, that wraps up, that wraps it up for J&J. We'll see you guys next week. I will be back, too. Don't worry. I won't be gone. Peace.